The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, you know you're in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Oh, my. I have a quote from Charles McKay, founder and CEO of Synx, S-Y-N-X, writing on a website called pandadoc.com a year ago. Let's see what he has to say. The days of the us versus them mindset between sales and marketing teams are over. The way business operates today leaves no room for companies made up of teams that compete with each other, even if it's just for glory and recognition. Well, that certainly packs a while of very interesting comments here. So what are we talking about? Come on, you've all heard the analysts and the experts say social selling in order to be successful has to have a close collaboration between your marketing team and your sales team. Well, yada, yada, it sounds good on paper, but let's do a reality check. What does it really take for these two business units to come together to make a social selling initiative work? It's not that easy. They have been siloed for a long, long time. So we're going to talk today with three experts in the field. They're all repeat guests. Uh, Two of them are actually sponsors of their own series here on Game Changers Radio. One hasn't been on with us in a long time, way long overdue. We're going to talk about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the push-me-pull-yous of getting sales and marketing currently siloed in most companies to collaborate on a common goal, social selling. Sounds great. Let me tell you who they are. And then we'll get started with the opening quote. In just a moment, it will be my pleasure to welcome back Barbara Giamanco, CEO of Social Centered Selling. There's an alliteration for you. Joining her will be the sponsor of our show, Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, focused on SME success, Lorraine Maurice. She is in her, her day job, Senior Director, Global Indirect Channel Marketing at SAP. And rounding out the panel is the lady who sponsors this series on social selling, Kirsten Boylo, Head of Social Selling Training and enablement at SAP and a lot more. Her title changes. I don't know. She keeps making all these top 40 and top 20 lists of successful social sellers. So Kirsten will tell us if she has a new title this week. Kirsten, I I say that with great admiration. So Barbara Giamanco has sent me a quote from Terrell Owens, or Terrell, I should probably say, Terrell Eldorado Owens. He's a young guy born in December 1973, popularly known as T.O., is a former American football wide receiver, six-time Pro Bowl selection. He holds or shares several National Football League records, and I won't get into all the details, but you all know who he is. Here is the quote. If you align expectations with reality, you'll never be disappointed. Barb Giamanco, it's been too long. Have you been? I've been great, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. 
we are delighted, as I said, long overdue. So tell me, are you a big football fan? And how in the world did you find this perfect quote, Barb, for our show today from Terrell? Is it Terrell or Terrell? Tell me how. You know, honestly, I'm not sure because the irony is I'm not a big football fan. I don't watch a lot of football. But as always, when I join your program, I like to look for fun quotes. And this one really fits for me, Bonnie, because I think that sometimes when organizations look to a social selling strategy, they think of it as a potential shortcut. And I think sometimes their expectations are out of alignment with what really has to go into making it successful. So I thought the quote really fit. I agree. I'm su- so surprised that the quote fits so well. Uh, it, it really echoes what I said in my opening, Barb. You agree aligning expectations with reality. Uh, how hard is it? Let, let's do a little reality check. Barb, you're CEO of Social Seller- Centered Selling. What do you see in companies today that you work with? Do you see that sales stands on one side of this great divide, maybe a moat, maybe a, an ice-filled river, maybe a fjord that with no no paddles to get across, and, and marketing's on the other side and they're saying, I'm going to do this. No, I'm going to do that. No, your job is this. How bad is it, Barb? Well, you know, if you'd asked me this question a few years ago, I would have said that there was still kind of a divide. But certainly through the last uh, few years, I think there is a very strong recognition that sales and marketing do need to work together. Now, are they 100% there? No, um, certainly not. But I think there's much more of a recognition today how important it is to be sure that, you know, content processes, brand building that's happening with marketing is flowing into sales. And, you know, sales needs to really understand how to use the tools appropriately and use the content that's been created. So I personally have seen much more alignment over the last couple of years. Certainly there's work to do, but I don't think it's all a negative. I think there's a lot of positive happening. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm glad to hear that progress is being made, but obviously there's still more to be made or we wouldn't be doing this show on this topic. So thank you very much, Barb. Pleasure to have you back. And now let's bring on Lorraine Maurice, and she has her own show coming up this Thursday as well. Think Big Work Small with Game Changers. Really good topics. And Lorraine has selected a quote from Mark Twain, one of our most favorite. And the quote is, Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Oh, my. If I have trouble getting on a plane, I'm going to think of this one, Lorraine. Lorraine, how have you been? (laughs) I am fabulous, Bonnie, and excited to be here today on somebody else's show. Thank you. uh, Isn't this wonderful? Yeah, yeah, isn't this wonderful that Kirsten invited you to join her? I like it when we have, oh my goodness, we have a collaboration here. We have another, well, our topic is dynamic duo, but I like to say this is a very triple threat dynamic trio we've got here. So, Lorraine, talk to me about this quote. Very interesting. I've never heard this one. What does it mean for our topic? Um, it, it means for our topic is that, again, get away from the old stereotypes. Um, sales and marketing have to work together. There is, there should be no fear, um, no disagreement. It should be all alignment. And I think with social selling and social in general, um, we've moved way past the early adopter stage, but there's still fear. Um, and it's probably more fear at the salesperson level than marketing. So it's, for me, it's really about making things happen. Don't uh, put things in your head that become debilitating to moving forward. And modern marketing um, is necessary for both sales and marketing in the new buyer's journey. So get past the fear and make it happen. 
Now I'm going to ask you for the same reality check I asked Barbara Giamanco for a minute ago. How much fear is there? Who's On whose side is the fear? Is it on the sales side, the marketing side? Is it fear of coordinating, collaborating, and doing it better together? Is it fear that their individual power will be taken away or diluted? Where's the fear today? Well, I think the fear sometimes even starts with leadership because at the end of the day, anything that might impact revenue causes concern. And I think that is trickled down to salespeople. Like, get out, do your jobs. What are you spending time at your desk for? Call customers. And so that mindset really has to change in the organization to understand that social selling is a key. It is the same thing as knocking on the door. It is the same thing as picking up a telephone. So I think if the mindset changes organizationally, it will alleviate some of that fear. I like that a lot. Thank you very much. Interesting that it would come from leadership. Uh, is there mixed in with that fear? Could it be some distrust? Hey, Bob, uh, we, we see you tinkering around online. We don't see the phone leaving the cradle. We don't see that cell phone plugged in for charging because you haven't used it in six hours. Is it is it uh, a distrust or is it a, I'm not sure what's going on here. Of course, we're talking about uh I won't say old timers, but steady in their tracks, long time managers who who haven't gotten on board the social selling train. Do you think there's some of that distrust or disbelief, Lorraine? You, you know what? I think we've moved past the distrust. I mean, back in the early days, it was like you can't use any social tools at work. But I think that everybody started to realize that social is part of selling and marketing. But I think that distrust has gone away. Where I think it it comes into play is if. Um, if it's about the operations, if it's about the revenue, and uh, if they don't see it moving in the standard ways they always have, it feels uncomfortable. So I think it's more an uncomfortable feeling to the new methodology and, and having to become comfortable with it. Thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for. Distrust was a little too far, far off the beaten path. Uh, no, yes, com- comfort level. I like that better. Thank you, Lorraine. Yeah. And now let's bring on Kirsten Boyleau, head of six. Kirsten, what's your current title? My new title is head of regional engagement and social selling. Regional engagement and social selling. Thank you very much. I was paying you a compliment by saying it changes every week because you just make so many strides of what you're doing. You're just getting smarter and smarter and, and more uh, and, and more savvy on your job every single day. Kirsten has sent us a quote from Henry Ford. This is a good one. If everyone is moving forward together, then success takes care of itself. Oh, how nice. Talk to me about the quote, Kirsten. Well, I, I just was I was thinking about how um, you know teams really need to work together, and and you know there, there has to be that collaboration across organizations, and and that's when when you find those teams working together, when you have that that bigger group of brains working together to to think of new ideas and to push the envelope a little bit, when people are li- willing to take a risk and work together. Because um, I was just, you know, thinking about what Lorraine was saying about, you know, there's, there's a risk in, in, you know, possibly letting go of a little bit of control over your organization mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Totally agree with that. Um, that people, uh, when when they get past that fear, when they take those risks, when they, um, you know, work together to to really for the greater good of everyone, the success it comes in in leaps and bounds. Um, it's happened in my own experience, and I know it happens in others. It, it really, it truly comes through and shines through that success when people work together. 
Yep, I'm thinking of an old Haley Mills movie, Kirsten, You're Too Young. Lorraine might have remembered it, Barb. I'm not so sure. And the It was called The Parent Trap, and the theme song was Let's Get Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, anybody? I'm dying here. I, tr- I do my best not, not to sing on the air, but once in a while, the urge just sweeps me away. Kirsten, I have a question oh, for you. Same question. Yes, go ahead. I was just to say, Bonnie, I just had to go with The Parent Trap. There were two versions, so I'm sure that I know I saw the original, but I'm sure uh, Kirsten saw the, the remake with Lindsay Lohan. But we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, I forgot the about one. the LL. <laughs> I forgot about the Lindsay Lohan. I, I, I'll pretend I never knew there was a Lindsay Lohan one. No, mine was Haley Mills, the little British accent actress with the uh, the straw blonde hair. Very interesting. Yes, yes, yes. I saw the original, Lorraine. Not, not, not ashamed to say that. Kirsten, I have a question for you before we go to what's in your cup today and where you all calling from. Question is reality check from you. I asked Barb about it. I asked Lorraine about it. How bad is it? How far is the divide? Is it a, a moat? Is it a fjord? Or is it just a little puddle between sales and marketing that they have to have to get past in order to make this wonderful collaboration working together. What do you observe? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I agree with what Barb says that it, you know, we're much further along than, they, than we were a few years ago. Um, but in my own experience um, here at SAP, we are, are doing quite well in bringing those two pieces together, even though there's still is friction every once in a while. And we still, you know, sometimes we're not looking at things the same way, which is actually good. It's educational on both sides. Uh, I'm not sure about, you know, I don't, it's not something that I get the chance to talk to too many people outside of um, SAP about. But from my understanding is that it's still, we're still not there, which is why I wanted to bring this topic forward because, you know, we're, you know, we're not here to talk about SAP. We're here to talk about what's happening outside and, um, and the reality is, is that we're not there yet. That close collaboration is not, um, it's not solidified yet. And, and so I think there's, there's still a, a good ways to go before we get to that place. And do you think it's an issue of control, whether it's managerial control or just ownership? I'm sales and I could do it better. I'm marketing. We know what to do. Who, who's, who, do, who do you think is more paranoid or, let's say, less uh, accepting of that collaboration means collaboration, giving up some of that power or control for a greater good? What, what do you think? I don't think I can answer that question. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the political consequences of that, of saying one side more stubborn than the other. Um, I, cause I, I, I honestly think that it, it really is, uh, it can happen on both sides. It really depends on the personalities involved. Um, but it can happen on both sides. It really is, um, there's that risk and that fear and that control, lack of control as to what happens and, and ownership is a big piece of it, right? Um, yeah. You know, that, that, and because social selling is such a high profile thing in, in an organization right now that, um, and that the overall digital transformation of which social selling is a part of it, uh, to own a piece of it like that is, um, is a highly visible thing. And, 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 uh, you know, nobody really wants to give, uh, credit or, or ownership over to someone else. So I think that's one of the main reasons why we need to pull those two pieces together so that they both own it equally. Kirsten, you just brought up a new word we haven't talked about, personalities, and that makes me think of generations and demographics and cohorts and makes oh, me absolutely. think of, I mentioned, you know, the, the old guard without quite saying it exactly that way a few minutes ago. I'm wondering, uh, millennials, 
in the workforce. They're turning 35 this year and next year. They're not babies anymore. They cut their teeth on digital. They grew up with keyboards in their fingers instead of uh, whatever pacifiers the older generation used to have. Uh, when they they onboard in sales or marketing, do they have such a forceful personality that they say, we've got to do this and get over it, kids, or get over it, big, big boys and big girls? Do you think that there is this big personality push for the collaboration or against it? Ah, maybe that's the question. Maybe that's the question, control and personality. Any comments on that? I'll go around the table, but Kirsten, what do you think? I don't think, I honestly don't know that it's necessarily a generational personality. Um, okay. Because I've seen, you know, uh, people that are more, much more senior and more mature in the organization be the ones that are pushing for the digital transformation where the ones at the, the, in the more millennial space are the ones saying, you know what, this is how I communicate with my friends. This is not how I do business or how I would expect business to be done. That's changing, but that, that has happened in the past. I've actually had that conversation with someone um, in the past who was much, much younger than I am. And, um, and so I don't know that it's a generational personality difference. I think it's just a in general personality difference. It's, it's who that person is and, and perhaps their own experiences growing in their business um, maturity. Thank you, Kirsten. By the way, we have a tweet here from Monica Gassman. Haven't heard from you in a long time, Monica. Thank you for listening. She says, love the parent trap. She didn't say whether it was the Haley Mills or the Lindsay Lohan <laughs> version. She says, listen now, hashtag SAP Radio. Thanks for the hashtag live now talking, hashtag social selling. Monica, glad to have you on board, even if remotely. Thank you. Barb Giamanco, personalities, demographics, any quick comments on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Kristen on this. I think it's really about your mindset. It's it's not about the age. So I think that anybody can be open to the ideas. I mean, I know younger workers who are a little bit closed off in certain things. They don't want to use the phone and this and that. There's there's those sorts of things. Uh, but the other thing that really struck me as part of the conversation, Bonnie, is that one of the reasons why there still continues to be a little bit of a divide or resistance, I think, is often because the two camps are not measured on common metrics. I'm sure we'll get into some of that. And then, you know, over on the sales side, I think some of the resistance is coming from what you already mentioned early on, that many of the leaders today are, are experienced in what worked for them back in the day, they think still works. And then this is a personal bent for me, but I also think sometimes there's too much focus on looking at whether or not reps have sent enough emails and made enough numbers of phone calls, but not really looking at the quality of the activity overall to see if it, if it drove revenue. So, you know, I really think that anybody can be open to the ideas. They just got to be open to the ideas, if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it, it does. It does. A little bit of a tautology there. That That's a Mobius strip with the logic going around. us. But I, I think I got it. Uh, <laughs> Lorraine, Lorraine, while we're, we're untangling this, this circular strip, uh, what do you think, Lorraine? Demographic? Is it uh, generational? Is it personality? Where is it coming from? I, I think it, Barbara hit it. The, to put the nail, head the nail on the head, it has to do with um, alignment and in, in key performance indicators, alignment in the organization. Um, even today, sales goes to their kickoff meetings, marketing goes to their kickoff meetings, and half the time nobody goes together. And so it really needs to be what I, I think has been coined in, in the last few years, marketing. It has to be a kind of one focus, one organization, because it's not just sales and it's not just marketing. It's, it's one group. So I think it, it really just goes back again to the alignment and the alignment has to start with the objectives because 
at the end of the day, I said the word three times already this morning, it's all about the revenue, and they have to see that as the connection point. I love that. You actually said marketing? Seriously? I've never heard of that, but I'm... It wasn't mine, but it was coined coined recently. I love it. Sales and marketing. Yeah, go ahead. Talk. Who... I was just going to say, to be fair, it, it, it's, it's a term that's kind of popped up, but I heard about it way back when, and we wrote about it in our book that came out in 2010. So it's been floating around out there for a while, but now I think it's really gaining traction, and it's, it is a great way to kind of define how you align, because it's not sales, it's not marketing, it's both, and I think this marketing term is kind of fun. Well, here we go. Of course, you know I was Googling it while you were speaking, ladies. Come on. You've been on enough times on the radio with me, and I found the perfect answer. HubSpot, okay, the definition of marketing in under 100 words, written by Sam Kucinitz. And I don't know when this was. Uh, it's a zero-minute read. He's even got his phone number. The term marketing refers to alignment between your sales and marketing teams created through frequent and direct communication between the two. The goal is to have measurable goals that each team agrees to hit so there's mutual accountability. For example, marketing might have a mutual agreed-upon leads SLA service level agreement to hit, and sales must agree to follow up with a certain number of those leads. Marketing goals should be made together and reevaluated every month excuse me, every month to identify opportunities for improvement on both teams. This was written in February 2014. Kirsten, do you like this definition or what do you think? I, I think it, it's well-rounded. I, I'm not sure that, that uh, I'm not sure where that HubSpot coined the phrase, um, but maybe they did. Uh, there's someone, I can't remember his name, who talks about marketing all the time. I know Nick Robinson also talks about marketing all the time, but I well, don't know where the, the phrase originated from. It made it onto Wikipedia. Marketing is the process of integrating sales and marketing processes of a business. The objective is for the function to have a common integrated approach. can lead to annual revenue growth of up to 20% according to a study back in 2010. It doesn't say who coined the phrase. Uh, there's an article, B2B Marketing: The Five Steps to Make Sales and Marketing Work Together by Douglas Burdett, April 1st, 2014, Business to Community Magazine. That might have been one of the earlier references there. I don't see the name of anybody who coined it, but that's as close as we're going to get. So now that we've got our heads all in a tizzy here trying to figure out who mentioned Smart, thank you for that, Lorraine. I, I have to go look that one. I've got no more research here. Barbara Giamanco, back around the table to you. Love to know two questions. It used to be one, now it's two, Barb. Where are you calling from? Don't mean to end a sentence with a preposition. From where are you calling? And what's in your cup today, or what would you rather be drinking that really, 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 really makes you smile? Because I'm looking at a beautiful smile in your picture right here. So, Barb, talk to me. All right, so I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia, where we had 98% visibility on that solar eclipse yesterday. It was pretty oh, darn amazing. Nice. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. I was out there with my funky glasses watching um, during, the, during the course of it, so that was pretty amazing. Uh, what's in my cup? I just finished a second cup of uh, green tea. That's my go-to favorite every morning, and pretty soon I'll be uh, loading up the ice water with lemon. Very nice. Uh, I, I had a doctor visit right around the time the eclipse was hitting New York. We didn't even get a dark sky. It just felt a little weird while I was driving. I made it was cloudy. I made sure not to look up 
in case I would see anything. But when I got to the the medical building where where my appointment is for my checkup, several of the I'll say girls, but I mean that with kindness. Uh, several of the young ladies who were medical assistants in various practices in in the the physicians in this building were outside staring up at the sky, and they had some kind of weird glasses on. And I said, "Did you see it?" And they said, "Yeah, it was really amazing. I think we got about a seventy five percent here." But when I went in for my checkup, I asked one of the young technicians if she had seen it. And she said one of the doctors did a set of homemade glasses for them. He took, you know, the contact sheets, ladies, when you used to take film to the film store like the Kodak store and you get a contact sheet with all of the pictures on your roll of film. Anybody mm-hmm. remember that? Come on, you all remember mm-hmm. Parent Trap. Somebody must remember contact sheets. Apparently, that photographic film is some kind of a protective film, the, the, the paper. So he took that and cut a little pinhole out of it and glued that onto some glasses for them. Must have been plastic glasses, and it was protective gear, and he handed them out to all the technicians in the office. Isn't that cool, you think? That is cool. That is cool. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, they said, wow, he was he was a real hero. So they were all saying, wow, we saw the eclipse. It was beautiful. I didn't. I saw it on CNN when it hit Oregon and then Nebraska following following the sun, if you will. So Lorraine Maurice, I know you're always happy because you're always smiling. And I have to compliment the three of you, Barbara and Lorraine and Kirsten. Your, your P, I'll call them your PR pictures, your photos I get. I keep photos of every guest in the notes for the show. And I'm looking at the three of you, and your smiles are literally beaming off of the screen. And I would say for social selling, it's so important to have a happy picture. Am I right, Lorraine? (laughs) You know, Bonnie, life is good. And if you can't smile every day, you need to try something different. So uh, (laughs) that's a loaded comment. That's my (laughs) philosophy. But I like that. I am also in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm not sure if uh, Barbara remembers, but uh, about seven years ago, she and I had a conversation and I've read her book and I have her book. So uh, we'll have to reconnect. But um, I am drinking today vitamin water, vitamin water zero. So no sugars, just a little bit of flavor, a little bit of electrolytes, a little bit of vitamin C. Keep me going. Get me started for the day. And is there a special flavor to this vitamin water? My personal favorite in the morning is called Vitamin Water Zero Rise Orange. So it replaces my uh, orange juice, uh, which is kind of loaded with sugar, to something that's flavorful but yet better for you. I think I'm going to have to try. Is it a southern thing? Because, ladies, you know, next week, as of next Monday, I will become a Tar Heel. Did you know that, Barb Giamanco? I'm moving to Durham, North Carolina. Did you know I that? I did not know that. Good for you. I was born in North Carolina. Oh, my. Yeah, I'm going to be an adoptive uh, Tar Heel, so maybe I'll have to drink that water, that rising water, vitamin <laughs> no. water, rise orange. <laughs> no, Bonnie, you're going to have to drink sweet tea. Sweet tea. <laughs> I've tried it, not not not, and I love sugar, but not not my thing. I'll have to get used to that. Thank you, Barb. Thanks, Lorraine and Kirsten. You're up north somewhere. Talk to me. Where and what what do you love to drink? I am in the north today. It is very very hot here, though about a hundred and rainy. Um, I am well. I just finished my great big mug of uh, Tetley um, orange pico tea, and that's my favorite first thing in the morning. Um, I am at home because I'm on vacation technically this week. I um, haven't gotten into vacation mode yet, so I'm really, really hoping to be drinking some uh, Peely Island wine. My favorite is their Gewurztraminer. So 
Ooh, sounds very good, very good. And by the way, I have a shout-out to somebody we haven't seen here in a while, Ginger Shimp at SAP, a beautiful smiling picture. She says, strong social sellers, as this is on Twitter, strong social sellers have 45% more opportunities and are 51% more likely to make their selling quota. Check it out, and she's got a link here at SAP Radio. Thank you, Ginger, for listening. Wonderful. Well, I, as ladies on the panel know, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine. I'm so happy to be here. I'm just jumping out of my chair. So I did have my uh, my breakfast milkshake with, I won't tell you what, what kind of sugar is in there, but I did have some agave syrup and something cold out of the freezer that has a bunny on the label with the word chocolate underneath it. But that's just to keep the drink cold, of course. Uh, 2% milk and, um, let's see, half a banana and a little bit of cocoa powder and that was it so it's not too unhealthy but it was delicious but right now all they let me have is radio no caffeine on radio show days we know why okay so we are talking about a very interesting topic sales and marketing becoming a social selling dynamic duo we've been chatting with barbara giamanco lorraine maurice kirsten boylo powerful powerful panel three ladies who are really focused on this topic, have a lot of experience, a lot of savvy in this area, and we've been debating how far apart is this divide. Is it a chasm? Is it a fjord? Or is it just a little puddle? What are the issues in collaborating better and more closely between sales and marketing when it comes to social selling? Are we talking personalities? Are we talking about control? Are we talking about trust? Are we talking about looking busy for your manager? Who gets the accolades when it succeeds? We'll cover that and a lot more when we come back. So don't even think even think of touching that mouse that app that dial we'll be right back 90 seconds count them along with us kevin out when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network social media is taking sales organizations by storm and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with Social Selling. 
Indeed, that's what we're doing here, changing the game. We're changing the game with three bona fide game changers. Barbara Giamanco at Social Centered Selling, Lorraine Maurice at SAP, and Kirsten Boylow at SAP. And I'd like to think I'm a game changer, too. So here we go. I'm looking at Barbara's notes. We're having a little chat off air, and we're going to segue from what she sent me in her notes into the topic of who gets credit. Very interesting and powerful question. So Barb says people development, talking about getting people into this game of social selling. People development isn't an event. It's an ongoing process. I'm just going to stop there. Barb Giamanco, why don't you run with it? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. I think for me, this is a big area of opportunity. And I'm just going to say right now that I think that the team at SAP does a very good job with continual learning because that's always been a pet peeve of mine. You know, anything related to uh, driving the revenue, as as, uh, Lorraine talked about, you know, people need to be well-skilled. And as business gets more competitive, we've got to keep those skills fresh. So this is not, you know, a one-time social selling training and voila, everybody's done and ready to go and they never need to be trained again. And so, um, you know, we know that a lot of the learning is gone within the first 30 days, 90% of that learning, by the way. Uh, So you've got to have that ongoing reinforcement. And then when it comes to social, let's face it, things are changing up constantly. I actually did a program this morning with one of your uh, European SAP teams and, you know, the course of taking them through a couple of event strategies with LinkedIn Navigator, I found something had changed within the last two days. So, you know, you can't assume that the one training is going to make sure that everybody is well prepared. It's just got to be continual and ongoing. And, of course, as people are being onboarded, they need to make sure that their, their, their skills are fresh as well. So, for me, I think any organization that does not have that plan for ongoing learning and development and making sure that the reinforcement and the coaching is happening, it's, it's just an opportunity for people to fall back into old habits. And Barb, let's, oh, somebody's got some music in the background. Barb, what about taking the credit, the habit of, I did it, I get the credit, I was there first, it was my idea. How do we, how do we morph from, how do we train people to understand there's a value in collaborative credit getting and taking? What's your observation? And then we'll ask Lorraine and Kirsten. Go ahead. Sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, I think that's a hard question for me to answer, Bonnie, because I don't naturally default to I've got to get the credit. Kind of in keeping Mm -hmm. with the spirit of, of Kirsten's quote, it's a team effort. And hey, if revenue objectives are being achieved as a result of that joint collaboration, then everybody wins, right? So I, I personally don't worry so much about, um, it, you know, the, the, the credit side of it. But then again, I'm running my own business. I'm not inside of an organization. And so I think it is important that that when people are talking about the success of any program, you've got to acknowledge all the people who've been part of making that a success. Because if you don't do that, then what ends up happening is you create that divide, right? Because somebody's going to feel like they weren't considered as part of the success that made these things happen. So that's kind of my take on it. Thank you very much. Lorraine, love to get your thoughts on this, please. Oh, I'm sitting here laughing because I'm not sure that, that, that who gets the credit question will ever be answered, even in predictions. Um, you know, sales is like, really, marketing, you drove that much, you know, pipeline and marketing is like, hey, sales, you couldn't have driven that much revenue without us. Um, I think that will always be the chicken and the egg opportunity. But again, I think it goes back to um, leadership understanding um, the need 
to do modern marketing and modern selling. Um, you know, what once gave salespeople, you know, a competitive edge, you know, like the process and product information and pitching, they, they're no longer the, the standards anymore. I mean, in the new buyer's journey that we talk about that, you know, buyers have the opportunity to jump in, you know, and research mm-hmm. at any point they want. Um, you, you have to have marketing's overlay uh, of the sales message to, to drive it through the process, and it has to be continuous. So, again, I think uh, who gets the credit is a chicken and the egg, unless it's stated up front that it's a, a joint effort. Um, and I also think that in order to guarantee success, sales and marketing have to work together, um, and the, the sales process of old needs to, to, to evolve. Thank you, Lorraine. I'm thinking that we've talked about this, Kirsten, many times that, as Lorraine said, when the customer, the prospect, I'll say, jumps into the process and completes sometimes up to 92%, I think, the numbers of the journey on their own, maybe the customer is the hero and should get the credit. Look at the work I did to figure out that your company is the best answer to my my challenge or my solution. Kirsten, what do you think? I apologize for the what we thought was music in the background. It was actually the tourist train going by my house. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear they're touring. <laughs> I live me in off there. Village and it's, it's got a lot of tourists. There's about 10,000 people here on the weekend. So, Glad to um, hear that. Anyway, to go back to the topic, uh, there's, there's just so much. Um, when people are looking for credit, it, it, it speaks more to their personality, to my mind, than it does to mm-hmm. to the topic at hand. And I think, um, you know, Barb mentioned it, that it, it really it needs to be teamwork. And, um, and I'm all about teamwork. I've always been about teamwork. It's just my personality. That doesn't mean that everybody's personality is like that. And not, and not necessarily to say my personality is the best either. But um, it just, it, to me, there's certain uh, topics where you need to pull those both pieces together. You need to pull all the pieces together, not just, you know, one or two. Um, and I liked what uh, Lorraine said about being a marketing overlay. The, the new buyer journey means that there needs to be a marketing overlay to the entire sales process because you just never know where your buyer is going to go next. And, um, and to be able to, you know, marketing needs to be able to support that entire buyer journey throughout the sales process. And that's why that, that teamwork and that pulling those pieces together is so, so important for the overall success of the organization. And I, and I absolutely agree with, with what Lorraine said, that we will probably never, ever answer the credit question. <laughs> absolutely. And Kirsten, um, what yeah, you just... I'd like to jump back ahead. in, Bonnie, because I think mm-hmm, that you, sure. hit, you hit a great point and that it really is about the buyer, the customer, the client. Yeah. And that's really where this social selling comes to play in the evolution is the fact that you need to solve business problems. You need to showcase to them how you can make them become a rock star and be more impactful and and effective in their jobs. And that's really how the process is working today. And to do that, sales and marketing have to work together because content becomes crucial and messaging becomes crucial because it's not just about a piece of collateral anymore. It's about being where the client is, the customer, mm-hmm. you know, when they, and with, a, with a message that they want to see and they want to hear. Lorraine, this reminds me uh, that your show on Thursday, your uh, Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, is going to be focused on the topic of finding the expert within your team, within your ranks, and the focus is on creating fresh and compelling content 
for the buying journey, for the social selling journey, for the customer slash buyer journey. And it dawned on me that as we're talking about, I mentioned the customer might be, I, I have to revert to prospect because they presumably they aren't a customer yet. Uh, they're, they're doing over 90% of the work in getting toward buying something from your company. They need to have that attraction, that pull, that connection. And so the job of sales, marketing, anybody is to give that content to draw them in. So it really is a collaboration, but the lines may be very blurred. Any quick comments on that, Lorraine? I just did a little preview for your show. Any comment on the, on the, the compelling content? Let's talk content for a second. Two, 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 two statements I'll make. And uh, yes. it's such a passionate topic for, for all of us. Um, two, two statements I'll make is that, it, it, it's important that every person in the company is, is understanding the messaging, the value props to, to the prospect, and that they're they're putting that information where the prospect needs it. So that's one point. Everybody needs to be sharing a message and be an expert. Um, the second point is is that when you make the prospect or then customer successful, you turn that into a success story and that helps your brand and your next sale. So if you make that customer successful through all the efforts we're talking about today and you can then turn that around into a new message, um, you're golden. Thank you very much. Anybody else want to chat on that that uh, topic before I move on? Everybody good? Barb, anything you okay. want to add? Good. Okay. I'm looking at Lorraine's notes. And, Lorraine, you have an interesting comment here. I don't know if we've covered this. We've touched a lot so far. Uh, you say sales is marketing's customer. Marketing needs to understand what their customer, the sales team, needs to be successful. They need to understand sales pain points, business problems, and opportunities. You want to just give us a quick comment on that, Lorraine? Sure. This is a Lorraine philosophy that always turns heads. So when I sit down, and obviously I'm in marketing, um, I look at who are my stakeholders, who are my customers. Being a public company, obviously my stakeholder are stockholders. However, my first-line customer is my sales team. It is my job to, put in, to, to provide them with the things they need um, to make a sale. So whether that's the right content, the, the right messaging, the right tools, um, the education, the enablement, um, that's what I have to deliver as a marketer to sales. And if I deliver that, then I become a trusted advisor for them, and then we establish collaboration. So when I look at who my customer is, it really isn't the end user in my daily job. It really is the sales team. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Kirsten, you want to make a comment on that? Actually, I was just about to jump in. I thought, no, wait, I'm second. I'm next, I think. (laughs) You are. You are. Because I was just thinking that, that that is actually how I thought about, um, you know, how we present social selling. If I'm talking to marketers, I'll say, you know, if you're no, you're not socially selling to your to our end users necessarily because that's what sales is doing. They are taking the content that you're creating and giving it to our end user customers. But you need to be socially selling to your your internal customer, which is sales, and building that collaboration. I love the word, you know, you get to the collaboration, you become that trusted advisor to your customer. You um, are, you know, listening and understanding what's important to them, what's going to work for them, what's going to uh, make them successful. Uh, That's how it's the same sort of mindset from a marketer standpoint, um, you know, 
it's not, they're not talking necessarily to the end user. They're, they're trying to understand what does sales want, what does sales need to be successful, and that's how that collaboration is built. Thank you very much. Barb Giamanco, you want to join us on this topic? Any thoughts? Sure, absolutely. What I was thinking is, because, you know, uh, my background, uh, well, I've learned a lot about marketing over the past um, years running my own business. I'm a sales gal. So I was just thinking that the opposite is true as well. You know, sales needs to think about uh, marketing being their customer also. Uh, you know, I think sometimes there's a tendency for for sales organizations to um, kind of blow off the great work that marketing is doing in terms of creating this kind of content. But certainly, if sales is finding that certain content or maybe the personas are a little bit off or, you know, they're, they're learning some things as they're engaging with customers early and um, potential buyers early in the process, I think it's really important for them to be feeding that back to their marketing team as well. So, you know, I think both groups need to think about each other being a, a, a customer. And, and the way I think about it, Bonnie, is I think that marketing needs to think more like sales. Sales needs to think more like marketing because that's the mashup. That's the world we live in today. And um, the other thing I'll say about content, it's great if you have an organization that's creating great content for you or you can pick up content on specific topics from well-respected organizations like Harvard Business Review and others. But also when I think about content from a seller's point of view and getting early visibility, if you will, as the buyer is moving through their journey of doing that early engagement and, uh, you know, research, you know, you can come up with provocative and interesting ways to start to engage those buyers early. Questions, polls, sharing trends, there's all kinds of cool things that you can do. It doesn't have to be passive. I think that some people, when they hear these stats like, ooh, the buyer journey is 70% done. Ooh, there's nothing for sales to do. Not true at all. I see that as uh, just a big, huge opportunity. So those are my thoughts on content. Thank you very much. Great wrap-up on that topic. And in the time we have left, about seven minutes before we go to our crystal ball predictions round, let's look at some topics from Kirsten's list. Here's an interesting one, Kirsten. Uh, Let's talk about the book Mindset. Carol Dweck's book describes the differences between those with a fixed mindset and those with a growth mindset. And you say, Kirsten says, for social selling to be a success, those involved must have a growth mindset. So let's go back to a little bit about who is on these teams and how do you recruit for the growth mindset. Kirsten, maybe that's a good focus is our listeners. How do you bring the right people with that growth mindset into your sales team, into your marketing team so that we can have this marketing mashup? Kirsten, what do you think? I, I just learned uh, where I had a conversation recently about this growth mindset versus a, a um, fixed mindset. And I just think it's so fascinating about how, you know, people don't really think about themselves in either way, but it, it really impacts all areas of their lives. And so how do you recruit for that? I think, you know, if, you, uh, if you're asking the right questions about, you know, is this something that you can see yourself doing uh, or what are your dreams for five years from now and, and really kind of trying to, to, to look at things and looking at the bigger picture and looking at um, how, where they might be going and, and what kinds of things they might be able to do. And, and if they can say something along the lines of, you know what, I don't know what's going to be available um, five years from now, but I would love to grow in this area or expand my knowledge and my skills in this area to be able to um, be ready for whatever comes up in five years from now. I think that's the kind of 
you know, growth mindset. That's the, the kind of person that you need to hire who is willing to, to put in the hard work, willing to, to find their passion and, and, and move forward, even if it takes them in a completely different direction than they ever thought they might be going in. I, it's from my own experience, you know. Um, three and a half years ago, I was in inside marketing. Um, I had a much more of a sales business development background. Um, I had, you know, never done anything in marketing per se, uh, but happened to sit in the marketing organization. And here we are three and a half years later, you know, so head of social selling is not a, a title that is very common even now. Uh, it did not exist um, three and a half, four years ago. And and so I, I feel like I definitely have that growth mindset. I'm I'm willing to look forward and see what what you know what's kind of going forward. What's what's going to happen? What where can I um, focus and and build skills that are going to be um, available years from now or be needed years from now? Whereas someone who perhaps is more, you no, know, I, I I'm really happy with what I'm doing, and I, I you know I just yeah. want to be an expert in this particular area. That that that's more the fixed mindset. Nothing wrong with it. Um, we, we need people to have that that as well. Um, but for specific uh, thoughts or specific roles within an organization, you definitely need to look for someone who is looking to be that um, person who can put in their work to make it uh, to into whatever comes along. Thank you very much. Sounds like flexibility and agility to me. Barbara Giamanco, I can give you one minute to comment on this, then a minute for Lorraine, and then we will circle back around to Barb to start our crystal ball. So, Barb, what do you think? Mindset. Uh, I, I, I agree with uh, Kirsten 100%. you got to learn to earn, right? So if you're not constantly thinking about how you can improve your skills and get ready not only for today but tomorrow and, and, and the time that's coming. And so I'm definitely a person who's always looking to grow every single day because I don't want to become obsolete or irrelevant. And so I think I'm, I'm totally in agreement with what Kirsten said. Thank you very much. Lorraine, what do you think? Which side of the fence are you on? Are you going to join the party here? <laughs> I'm going to join the party, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. So in prep for this call, I, I called a few uh, salespeople and said, uh, what do you think about sales and marketing work t- working together? What do you think about social selling? And uh, one of my friends uh, in, a, in a small business said, well, my company won't support it, but I thought it was worth paying for the subscription to LinkedIn Navigator on my own. And now I'm just scrambling for content. And so I go back, and I think it is a mindset, but I'll go back to something I've said, is that it starts at the top, and it needs to be recognized as a new channel, a new sales channel. And I think if that mindset um, dribbles down and it becomes supported, then we'll see it grow. Thank you very much, ladies. It's time for the crystal ball. I think we've been sort of dipping our toe in the future while we had this conversation. Looking forward to not quite predicting, but what where should teams be if they want to aspire to that d- dynamic duo dynamic? There we go. So, Barb Giamanco, we're officially in the crystal ball predictions round. Let's start out giving everybody, everybody. 60 seconds-ish. That's 60-ish. That means a little mushy. It could be 75, but not 90. So, Barb Giamanco, I'd love to have you look into the crystal ball at Social Centered Selling and have you tell us what, what would be our conversation, what would it be about if we were to meet again around the year 2020? You know who said that. Somebody who shares your first name. And uh, what do you think would be different about this topic? Go ahead, Barbara. 
Well, I, I come back to, to, to what I have said all along. Uh, you know, as we look at technologies like AI and machine learning, there are a lot of people predicting that's going to put sellers out of work. And from a sales point of view, I, I, don't, I think it's going to put some people out of work potentially. Um, but the opportunity for salespeople is certainly to continue to learn, 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 develop those consultative selling, problem-solving skills, and keep upping their game because people are always going to buy from people. And I think some tactical aspects of jobs will get replaced by technology. But if you know how to help your customers grow their businesses and be successful, you're always going to be a success and have a place. So nothing radical, just something I believe in. And I'm probably not going to change my opinion on that for, for some time to come. There you go. You stick with that, Barb Giamacco. You be consistent. I like that. I like a woman of our convictions. There we go, Lorraine Maurice. It's time for you because Barb was so concise. I can give you 90 seconds, Lorraine. I know you're going to enjoy them. Go ahead. Lorraine predictions. Yeah. Um, you know, I think social selling isn't, isn't adopted to the fullest extent yet. And so what I see happening in the next few years is that um, sales will recognize that nurturing of their customers uh, is even more important. It's not just about making the final sale, um, especially, you know, in, in this cloud world where it's a continuous sales cycle. So um, I think that they'll be able to use a, a social selling platform to attract prospects. I think they'll use it for nurturing. I'll think they'll use it for all kinds of communications and selling opportunities. So I see it becoming a more robust sales channel um, and, and actually noted as a sales channel w- with a strategy, with a process, and with endorsement from all leaders. And with that happening, I see sales and marketing sitting down at the table again, um, putting together plans and, and content strategies and understanding um, what the end goal is and how each can contribute to getting to that end goal. Again, let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Lorraine. And Kirsten, uh, Kirsten, 90 seconds-ish, meaning even a little more. They were so (laughs) on point. So, Kirsten, knock yourself out. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking about how, you know, the growth mindset and millennials, and they do, most of them do have that very much a growth mindset. They're they're not um, fettered by, uh, you know, very narrow thinking and, and, you know, uh, that uh, career that only goes in one direction. It can go up, down, sideways, and, and any direction it may want to go. Um, and I think with, with the addition of more and more uh, of that kind of mindset into an organization and as they're growing their careers and, and coming into areas of um, of decision-making and influence, uh, I think we'll see much more um, of the collaboration across organizations, not just between sales and marketing. Um, of course, that's important for social selling, but across other organizations, which we, you know, maybe we wouldn't even think of right now because it's just too far out there. Um, I was also thinking about how we can uh, really use the um, all of the technology that we have available to us and, and how that technology is going to grow and change over the next uh, years. In, I mean, things have, are moving so fast already. As Barb mentioned at the very beginning, or maybe it was kind of middle of the show, where she had been doing something, um, a, a demonstration, and LinkedIn had changed within the last two days. Um, that, that is happening all the, all the time. And so being able to leverage that technology to, um, from both sales and marketing standpoint to, to really engage with customers, that's um, where we're, we're going to see even more collaboration. And, and I really hope that it comes sooner rather than later. 
Thank you very much. I think we all do. Ladies, I want to thank the three of you so much, but I want to do a quick shout out here next tomorrow, actually, Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. I'll be hosting this show. Our topic is a very serious one, global commerce, tax, and technology, navigating the rough waters ahead. My special guest will be John Villioni, Executive Vice President at Vertex, Rob Kugel, he's been on before, Senior VP and Research Director of CFO and Business Research at Ventana, and Camila Dodd. Alan, head of ISV Cloud and Platform Partnerships North America at ISP. We'll be talking about global businesses and those, I won't say wonky, but certainly the variances in taxes in states, in countries, in the globe. Oh, my, and all of that good cross-border commerce. So I want to thank our three panelists for being such wonderful game changers today. Kirsten, I think we covered a lot of territory. What do you think on today's show? That was a fantastic show, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's plenty of room to be uh, maybe doing a second show as well. Yeah, thank. I hope you're renewing for next year. I'm looking forward to welcoming you back. We have a lot more to cover. Social selling, it just keeps growing and growing. Come on. Our topic today has been sales and marketing, becoming a smarketing, I added that word, social selling dynamic duo with my triple threat dynamic trio, Barbara Giamanco at Social Centered Selling, Lorraine Maurice at SAP, and Kirsten Boylow at SAP. And of course, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Lorraine will be back with her own series, and we'll be talking about finding the X expert within looking for subject matter experts he or she may be sitting right next to you ask and figure out who is sitting on powerful information on your team who can help make your content production even stronger. So I'm going to give my call to action here. Quick shout out to Kevin, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Be back tomorrow with a live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. Where else would I be? So here's the call to action. Finally, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Barbara Giamanco, just like Lorraine Maurice, and just like Kirsten Boyd. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.